Amen. Amen. Pray with me. Father, thank you that we can come to you who have come to us and our hearts rejoice and exult today in the reality of the incarnation that Christ has come into our world and not a moment too soon in the fullness of time. God, thank you for finding a way to find us and thank you, Lord, for the privilege of finding our way here so that we can enter your presence and so that we can offer you our gifts of worship like magi of old. What can we give you, Lord, in view of all that you have given to us? Lord, we give you our hearts. We give you our lives in gratitude for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. God is good all the time. We are grateful today um, to see you. Turns out uh, God's calendar goes beyond the Mayan calendar. And uh, we're grateful for that. Nobody more grateful, I think, than my eldest son who proposed marriage to uh, Abigail Reisner on uh, Friday evening. And we all made our way up there to Waco. And she said yes. And we were grateful. (laughs) We were in a restaurant waiting, you know. And um, yeah, we rejoiced. I was thinking, what if she says, no, I'm going to eat anyway, right? I mean, because we're here and we've paid, so, but we're so grateful. And they're traveling to Indiana today, uh, where she is from, to be with her family for Christmas. And uh, we are grateful for, um, for new beginnings and great, great years to come. As I've thought in the last week, though, I have thought that for some families in Newtown, Connecticut, last Friday... It must have seemed like the end of the world. Uh, The pictures uh, show the devastation. And as we've been thinking about anxiety at Advent, it occurred to me that a lot of our anxiety is wrapped up in this need for safety and security. And we invest a lot of time and energy and money in the idea that we must keep ourselves Safe, And somebody said that Newtown, Connecticut was one of the safest places in the world. This serene, idyllic little town was considered in 2005 by CNN as one of the best places to live in the world. It sounded like a safe place, but I suppose no place is any safer than its most dangerous resident. And there are dangerous people and we live in a dangerous world, but we want to be safe. I know that because I was driving down the access road and I noticed there between Kirkwood and Derry Ashford, they're building something on the right. Have you seen the signs there? In English and Spanish, they say, let's stay safe today. Let's make it home safely today. It sounds good. We all wanna make it safely home. So how do we do that? Would you open your Bibles with me today? The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 13 to 23. I had thought I would speak on this tomorrow night. Instead, I'm going to speak about the shepherds in Luke chapter 2. But this morning, I would like to think with you about seeking safety or getting safely home. Let's stand together to hear the word of the Lord Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. Turns out the world has been a dangerous place for a long time. 
Matthew 2, verse 13, when they had gone, that is the Magi had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel, weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. And after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets. He will be called a Nazarene. Thank you, you may be seated. So where in the world can we find a safe place to go? Joseph and Mary must have wondered that. It was, it was after... It was after the Magi came, bringing their gifts of gold and incense and myrrh. After they came, bringing their best worship. And, and here are Joseph and Mary just living in this moment of gratitude for this child, recognizing God's special purpose for their son. And then another dream, a, a nightmare, we might say. A nightmare about a king named Herod who would broke no potential usurpers of his throne. One who wanted to be sure that he was safe as king. So he killed some of his own sons lest they someday take his throne. It's not surprising to hear his response when he heard that a baby who had been born, when the Magi came and said, where is the king? And he said, I'm the king. And they said, no, we're looking for the king who's been born, the one who's going to be the savior of the world. And immediately his nefarious mind went to work. Well, tell me if you find him so that I can come and worship him too. With no intention of worshiping at all, he was shocked when the Magi had been warned in a dream to go a different way and he had been outwitted by them and, and he purposed in his heart to take away the life of this child. And so God had to intervene in the early, uh, early moments of the life of his son to save him from a dangerous world. We were sitting in Melanie's favorite restaurant last Sunday. We never go to my favorite restaurant on Sundays. I'm not complaining, but we always go to hers. Eventually, they started serving healthy food there so I can be safe and well. And we were sitting there last week, and Chase got a text from his Greek professor, Joey Dodson, who used to teach at HBU. And he said, 
So if God knew that Herod was going to kill the children, why did he only give a dream to Joseph and not to the other fathers? That, that will ruin your whole meal just in one moment. It's a hard question, isn't it? But it's an important question. And I've always believed that Christianity can... Um, take on the intellectual challenges that our world poses. I've always believed that the gospel speaks to everything in our world. And so I I pondered that thought this week. Why no warning for them? Why was Jesus' life spared and the other lives not spared? And I think the gospel answers that question. I think the gospel says that Jesus Christ came to die in a specific way at a specific time, but that in his death, there is great hope for people like us who live in a dangerous world. And it may be, in fact, it likely is, that there is no place you can go in this world, no room that you can shut yourself in, no place of absolute safety in this world. This world is not a safe place. But that child who was born was the savior of the world who came not just to give us momentary safety here as though that were his definition of the good life, a a long and safe life. No, he came himself to lay down his life for others. And he said, whoever tries to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. I came with bad news this morning. I won't stop there, but let me start there. And the bad news is you live in a dangerous world as if you needed me to tell you that. Think about for a moment the moment in your life when you felt the least safe. Was it a a medical report? Was it um, a storm? They've said that that 62% of Americans expect some catastrophe in the next 20 years. And they identify things like a great earthquake and a great hurricane and a terrorist attack or a a financial um, dissolution of all the finances in the world, some major financial catastrophe. And fully 85% say they have made no preparation at all for that catastrophe. Catastrophes come in in different shapes and sizes. Imagine taking a ride on Tornado Airlines. Did you see Jerry Millett's story? This man in his delivery truck in Louisiana last week. The other stories uh, overshadowed this story, but he was just minding his own business, driving his truck on a stormy day, and he took a a bit of a ride. I think we have a, a clip from that. Air 
Wouldn't you love to meet that guy? <laughs> Stuff like that never happens to uh, academics in uh, ivory towers. It always happens to guys with personality like that. And uh, I thought I was dead, he said. Well, the world can be a dangerous place. And sometimes it happens in the form of natural catastrophes. The truth is we live in a fallen world. There was a safe place. The Garden of Eden was a safe place. But in the first generation out of the Garden of Eden, a brother takes his brother's life. Cain kills Abel. Some, some danger in our world comes in the form of natural catastrophe. And some danger comes because people harm other people. And there have been a lot of efforts at explanation and we are quick to assign blame and everybody wants to blame the people who disagree with them for the reason there are catastrophes in our world. But we just need to agree together this morning that there are forces of evil at work in our world and it's not as though we can isolate them to some other corner of the world because the truth is there is sin in every one of our hearts and wherever there is sin, there is the potential for pain. And in truth, uh, when I think about um, that story last week, I looked for images. Some said, where, where is God? It's interesting. People say, where is God when things like this happen? The very same people who don't want to hear about God most of the time in these times say, where is God? And I think there were glimpses of God at work in this entire um, event. I, I think there were glimpses in this Victoria uh, Soto who... Um, who found a way to shield some of the children for her life. This, this courageous principal who, um, who sacrificed her life. There are examples of, of people, that, that father who lost a child, who publicly on television said his heart went out to the family of the young man who took the lives of those children. In this world, there are chances, there are opportunities where we can actually in a dangerous world recognize that we are the presence of Christ and we get the chance to love and to live in his name. And, and in this story, we're just reminded in, in Herod's story that in, in verse uh, three, he is troubled. The word in the NIV, disturbed. And I thought this week about a movie title, how we sort of live in disturbia. Uh, suburbia is a disturbed place and there are, are people with mental illness and I don't know what we do with mental illness in our world, but it's real and people have the potential to harm other people and Herod was clearly mentally ill and, and he promises to worship, but he really wants to, to kill and so in verse 13, the warning, Herod's going to search for the child to kill him. Herod is a dangerous person in verse 16 when he finds out he's been outwitted, his fury knows no bounds. He's beside himself. One translation says he flew into a rage and his anger unprecedented because what he wanted was threatened. And we hear, we hear Rachel's voice weeping. He quotes Jeremiah, Rachel, who waited so long for children of her own and then Joseph and then died in childbirth with Benjamin and, and then these children die and it's as if she is weeping from the grave, weeping over the lost children. I think I heard Rachel's voice last week in our country, weeping over those children. So why didn't Jesus die here? Why is Jesus spared and these 
children die? And I think the answer points us to the gospel itself. We, we live in this dangerous world, but the good news is our God has entered our dangerous world. He's become part of the world that we live in. He came down and pitched his tent among us and put on flesh and we beheld his glory. And he came not to die as an infant, but to live a sinless life so that the only person who ever lived a whole life in innocence was the very one who gave his life for all. And the gospel is that Jesus Christ didn't just die a random death at the hands of an angry king, but very purposefully. He he who was sent in the fullness of time lived his life and then right on time was taken to the cross and right on time rose again on the third day so so that he would be there to love the children who died in Bethlehem so that he would be there to love the children who died in Newtown, so that he would be there to receive us, his children, when we come home. And we love Romans 8, verse 31. We've said the presence of Christ is the hope for us who are so anxious that that God is with us. And not only is God with us, but God is for us. And in that little chorus I taught you, we see those two thoughts combined, but really they're inseparable. The fact that God is with us means that God is for us. And we know Romans 8.31, but do we remember Romans 8.32? This is one of Lester's favorite verses. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? In the end, God was not about keeping his son safe. In fact, what God knew was that to have relationship with us, he would have to become one of us. He would have to become vulnerable and breakable. And I've studied it this week. And there is no other religion, old or new, that teaches that God became breakable so that he might heal a broken world. This is the unique message of Christianity that Christ came to give his life for us, that God made him who knew no sin, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, not sinful. He never became sinful, but he bore the weight of the world. I was talking with a new friend of mine who's exploring Christianity, and he said, you know, in the religion I grew up in, I never quite understood why it was such a big deal. I mean, God knew his son was going to live again. What's the big deal? How is that some great loss? And I said to him, in that moment, for the first time in all of eternity, The father and the son were separated as the sin of the world was imputed to the son and he took your sin and my sin and the father is holy and he cannot be in contact with that sin and for the first time they are separated. That's the big deal and it had to happen because I have sinned, because you have sinned. Christ had to die. And Jesus never promised us that we would be safe in this world. John 16, verse 33 says, in this world you will find trouble, but don't be afraid because I have overcome the world. 
And here is hope for people like you and me. Not that we will somehow in this life find a way to be safe. I thought about this this week as I thought about how hard we try to be safe, how we eat the right foods. I'm trying to eat um, nine vegetables a day. I mean, it's wearing me out, but that's what they say. You know, five is fine, nine is divine. So I'm trying to eat vegetables. Hard to do at Melanie's favorite restaurant, but that's another story. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm just, I'm just sort of I'm just sort of trying so hard and we exercise and we do all the, the right things and we have security systems and alarm systems and we, we, we really are obsessed with safety. And then you read about Pistol Pete Maravich who never smoke or, or smoked or, or, or drank um, anything and at 40 years old he's playing basketball and he dies. And then you read about Gene Calment who died at 122 years of age last year, she quit smoking at 117 because she couldn't see to light the cigarettes anymore. <laughs> and you realize our best plans may not keep us safe. And so the good news for people like us is God didn't send his son into the world so that you and I could live safely to a ripe old age, but he came not so that we would be safe, but so that we would be saved because he knew that we could not save ourselves and he wanted us to spend eternity with him. And maybe some of the most beautiful images that have come to me in the last week are those images of those children entering into the presence of the Father and Jesus welcoming them into his arms. And there is much in this world that we cannot understand, but we know this for sure that our God sent his son to be a savior so that you and I would find ultimate eternal safety in him so that we could make it safely home. He had to give up his safety so that we might be saved. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your amazing love and mercy. Thank you, Lord, for the promise of eternal life God, we thank you that Jesus' death for us really was enough. And Lord, we thank you that he lived a sinless life and died on the cross and rose again right on your standard time so that no death is senseless, no death is endless, and no life is hopeless because Christ has come. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.